Sean Swords. What an amazing episode. Real cool story. You know, I knew most of his journey. Um, there are some parts I didn't, but I really enjoyed learning more about kind of his transition into basketball. And that was um, super unique about him essentially thinking he was going to be a hockey player, right? And uh, I think from a player and a coaching perspective and just a fan perspective, how can you not appreciate someone like him and what he brought to a team, you know? was a superstar when he was in university, but knew his role when he needed to be at like the national team or pro level, right? And uh, just a super humble guy, you know, you can just sense what he would have been like as a teammate. That's your opportunity to speak, Corbin. Was it? Oh. <laughs> it was a great intro. God damn it. When I say the words Main Street to you, what do you think of? I think of urban. I think of shops. I think of restaurants. I think of a place to go get a drink. Maybe a great burger. Relaxed my wife. So many different options. Now, our good friend Shane Meyer is back. And they're located in Mount Pleasant. 3283 Main Street. Good lad clothing. One of our two sponsors so appreciative of them we would really appreciate if you went out of your way swing by the shop check it out say what's up grab some jeans maybe a shirt some men's products grooming products for yourself and support local we appreciate good light clothing and they appreciate what a hoops journey is doing swing by and let us know your thoughts thank you to good lad this will be what 40 46 Six. 46 yeah. yep wow well, we're losers man do with our time this right. is awesome man right on okay three two one here we go I've been excited for this one for a while. A guy that I've been able to connect with a few times when he's been out west. Um, Not necessarily on the basketball court, more social times, but uh, a gentleman who's been involved in the game, especially in Canada, for a long time. He's got a great story. Um, It's kind of fun, too. We're doing our first uh, effort over Zoom so we can actually see each other. We're not staring at a laptop and looking at our voices going Mm -hmm. up and down. Um, a, A man who's been brought up many times on this show, and for a variety of reasons, and that's why we want to get him on and, and hear more of his story. And we are super thrilled to have um, Coach Sean Swords on tonight. How are you? Great. <laughs> really good, man. It's been amazing. Uh, it's been amazing listening to, to, to all your podcasts. It's been, it's been so good. It's been something uh, refreshing, actually. Uh, I've enjoyed them all. It's been amazing. It's cool. Thanks. Thanks for following. And uh, yeah, I know like when we started it out, we didn't know how it would go. And then you start to realize just how many hoop heads there are out there. Right. And um, and it just makes you realize, I mean, being a head coach yourself, which we'll talk about, but just how basketball connects people. Right. And it brings back kind of that nostalgic feeling in those moments. So uh, we appreciate you checking us out. Um, how are things? You know, obviously, head coach, you sport program trying to juggle all that and you know you got a family and and just everything and such crazy times that we're in um how's things going on your end out east we know you're out there and and trying to do your best so tell us a little bit about that 
Yeah, uh, interesting, obviously. I mean, we're a new sport, obviously, so, you know, uh, we're not all loaded with staff members across the board. So a lot of it's, uh, a lot of it's on the head coach to be, basically do uh, a lot of the things and, and try and get people to help you along the way. And, and so now, you know, with the pandemic going on, it just adds another, uh, you know, another thing that uh, you really try and do your best to, to help everybody you're kind of interacting with. So, you know, I, I noticed that a lot at the start and then even even through till now, it's just like trying to trying to impose that uh, you can only control what you can control uh, aspect that we kind of talked about before the pandemic. So it's been definitely, uh, 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 you know, practice in, in mindset and and just being able to, uh, you know, do the best you can with situations you're given. Yeah. Um, do you have most of your guys in town right now and doing skills and stuff or did some not decide not to mm -hmm. show up for school or what does that look like? Yeah, crazy. So uh, we weren't, um, we had announced five uh, graduating players last year, but with all five, the opportunity to come back, they were potentially going to do masters and stuff. So I, I had more people coming in and we were kind of, you know, going to bring in 20, have about 20 guys. If those guys came back now, probably half of them did. And then half couldn't come back to school. They just couldn't afford to, to justify coming to just train. And, and although uh, I'm a very good individual skills coach, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I have a hard time. Some of them couldn't do it, right? So it's we still had uh, we had about 14, 14 or fifteen guys before Christmas, and now uh, we'll be closer to ten or eleven uh, after Christmas because we just opened up uh, today. Actually, today was the today, first day okay. we were allowed. Yeah, today was the first day we we're allowed to get back in the gym. So we had nine guys there, and then a few more guys will start to come again. Uh, feels like a long time because when we interviewed Meeks, he was like, I think day two or something, right? Like it, mm -hmm. uh, the lock, the kind of the 30 days had just started again. So, yeah. and that feels yeah, like yeah. a long time ago. So I imagine how you mm -hmm. and the and the, mm -hmm. and the young guys that you're coaching feel too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, one thing that I think everybody knows if they know who you are as a player and coach is, you know, your ability to work hard and work through things and be determined. So hopefully I know that your kids are gain gaining a lot from that, from you in terms of mm -hmm. right how we make the best out of this situation and continue to move forward and not let time, you know, kind of dominate us. Right. Right. Like, I, you know, that's some of the things we talked about when we got together in September to start with. It was like, okay, look, we don't have any games on the schedule right now, but you're going to get better. I mean, you're going to be in the gym. We're going to be playing with each other and we can kind of, you can kind of let loose of all those insecurities of how you're going to look on Friday, Saturday for us in games. And, you know, you're not going to have to justify to your friends and family why you didn't play or how come you missed so many shots. Like we're just going to be in the gym, getting better, improving, competing. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for, for people, for, for young student athletes to really get after it and not really worry about any judgment from anybody, right. Yeah. Just kind of push themselves and, and finding that joy of the game back that maybe they had lost, you know, some guys lose it early. And, and so uh, that's been, that's been kind of the way we've kind of looked at it. And I think our, our guys have done a pretty good job so far. Well, let's get into it. Talk about that joy of the game for you. Um, you know, we were a heavy West Coast podcast, so maybe a lot of people don't know your whole story, which I think is cool. That's why I love having, you know, the East Coast guys on and um, being able to share who you are. So what was life like for you as a little guy? And, you know, when did basketball kind of start to finally come into your life? Uh you know, we go we go way back. I was very I'm I'm uh, youngest of four. Um, we all played sports, so sports is very much in our in our life from from the very beginning. Um, my oldest sister played at McGill, played at Ottawa U. Uh, my brother was more of a hockey player. Uh, he's the next one, and then my other sister actually played at Laurentian and graduated for Laurentian and uh, won two championships here. So 
basketball and sports in general kind of are always in in my view as a young kid and I was definitely that that sibling that was hanging on to go to everything and try and hang out and, and play with my older siblings and until I grew, get beat up and everything I played because <laughs> I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really have a growth spurt uh, till, and not even a great growth spurt, but I didn't really get to, to <laughs> six two, six three till grade like grade twelve basically. So I was definitely the runt and just getting pushed around and stuff. But uh, basketball, I was just tough because I was definitely I was a hockey player. You know, I, I played hockey, um, you know, even up till my last year of uh, high school, and I played junior hockey, tier two junior hockey is what it is in the Ottawa area, and. And uh, so basketball was kind of a, my secondary sport up until uh, till university. And so now it's like I say secondary, I still played club as much as you could back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I made the provincial team my last year of high school. But, you know, it was really kind of, you know, hockey was kind of basically the future of sport for me. Um, Interesting. You know, until, yeah, yeah, until my last year uh, until my last year um and in the summer coming you know going through into university because it's uh i as much as i loved basketball i was probably a a more skilled hockey player and that's not saying that much i I don't have a ton of skilled basketball wise either but i definitely was uh you know i i had a little bit more of that and i played it more and so i'd spend more time on it worked on my hockey skills more than i worked on my basketball skills uh, as a young guy and and it really was the the turning point for a little bit it was i got in a car accident my last year of uh, high school so I was, uh, I was potentially going to go. Uh, I'd been talking to a Quebec major junior hockey team, mm-hmm. uh, Laval Titans, and their head coach. They had done all the recruiting thing for me, and I was, uh, you know, I was driving home uh, on a on a on a night in November. I still remember it, and pulled off the off the, the Queensway in Ottawa, which is uh, one of the smaller uh, highways in Ottawa, kind of. And on an over ramp, I kind of uh, I spun out and I hit a guardrail and broke my collarbone. Damn. And then the next morning I was supposed to be leaving to go to play major junior hockey. So that kind of threw everything off the rails a little bit and, and uh, kind of reset my mind a little bit, I guess. Wow. That is absolutely wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. also like upon reflection too lucky, it was just the collarbone. I mean, you know, <laughs> it could have been right. a lot worse than it was. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's yeah, it crazy. could have been. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I, I had inklings before, right? I, I had uh, walked on with uh, an OHL team and got cut my, the year before. So it was kind of in my view and, you know, I thought about going to the States and I had, I had some uh, communication with NCAA teams for hockey, mm-hmm. like not a sniff for basketball, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, mostly hockey oriented. And, and even then when I came back from the injury, it was, uh, I still was back to hockey and kind of actually a better mindset in hockey. It was like, I was a better teammate. And I mean, the results on the ice were about the same still, but I, I felt better as a, as a player. And, and uh, it wasn't really till that summer that I, I just decided, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have much communication with, uh, with Laval after that. And they called me in June or July and said, are you coming this year? And I just said, no, I didn't really hear from you since December. And so, no, I decided I'm going to play basketball. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to, to go to Laurentian university and, and, and then really start my, you know, my basketball career. Yeah. Um, couple takeaways early is like, okay, pretty, pretty humble and modest, like the ability to like, how many people have <laughs> one pathway athletically and then, mm-hmm. you know, within like a four month, I, I make a decision and go, oh, I think I'll play university basketball instead. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. that says a lot about your athletic ability and mm-hmm. also interesting from a Canadian perspective, how young 
you know, we get ID'd for hockey, right? Like it's, it's, it's so much more ingrained in you early on. And then a lot of the guys and even the women that we've interviewed on this, like have developed so much later on, right? Like, a, mm-hmm. you know, like Garachi story about just developing so much later on in life. Um, whereas like you're on the ice and you kind of, you know, you're almost maxing out at like 16 in terms of, okay, well, we know what we have here for our potential. Mm-hmm. And, and then you jump over to basketball. That's wild, man. I never knew that, yeah. that part of your story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's exactly what you said. Like I was a late bloomer anyway. I grew late. You know, I still grew a little bit in that, in university, my first and second year, and for sure my skill set was was growing in in both sports. Um, you know, I, in basketball, I still really loved it. I still had a lot of passion for it while I was still playing hockey, and I went to all the. You know, I was I was watching it all the time, and I loved watching, you know, high level basketball in the Ottawa area at the time. Most of the people at West know like Steve Anderson, like Dave Monroe. Brian Lee, Sean O'Brien, Brian Leonard, like those guys, like we, I used to watch them. Like Dave, like that, that's the Robert Borden team, which, which uh, Steve Anderson and Dave Monroe and Sean O'Brien, like those guys were unbelievable. Like that was like yeah. watching them was like, man, one day, like uh, they, they do un- unbelievable things. So it was so amazing to kind of watch those guys play. And so mm-hmm. that kind of, like, I liked basketball. I liked, I, I was like maybe a red shirt on their club team. They had the one year. It was like every practice. I was just like, getting killed but it was amazing to watch it and be a part of it and like like see how good you can actually be at, at a sport and and it was it's amazing it was amazing so uh, the late bloomer stuff definitely happened and and hockey it happened too like i i think i learned a lot of my sport lessons through hockey like i was cut you know in, in bantam i think it was and and then went back the next year and played competitive and didn't really give up i just you know realized i needed to work on some things i wasn't good enough and and i think that kind of translated over to basketball i was like okay i'm gonna play basketball now all right let me start playing basketball and and uh and it really those kind of they all kind of changed right and and i think we talk about it, people talk about it a lot now we're trying to play different sports multi-sport and develop it but do they really believe that I am not too sure people really believe it anymore because the amount of practices we force young kids to play in, how are they supposed to play multiple sports? <laughs> like, yeah, they end up just and every pulled. coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. every That's coach true. is demanding them to be at every practice, and <laughs> I'm very fortunate. Like, my high school coach was like, "Hey, you can go to hockey practice," which because you know in Canada, if you miss hockey practice, you're not playing. You probably cut you know you're not on the team anymore probably Mm -hmm. but my high school coach just allowed it he was like if you're not okay if you miss practice because of hockey then you're you know you're not starting the next game or you're not playing the first half of next game and and i was okay with it i was like yeah that's that's the way it should be if i you know i gotta i gotta miss i gotta miss and so i was lucky because i think this day and age the the basketball coach would have just cut me off the high school team and you know i would have stayed with with hockey uh to a certain extent for sure crazy um Mm -hmm. and then i'm just intrigued like Okay, so then you go from this. Now you're you're at Laurentian playing, mm-hmm. but like you weren't just a pushover. So did it? Did you just take kind of that work ethic that you had had with hockey, getting beat on from the siblings, and and realize mm-hmm. what the work is and how much you know it takes to get better at something? Because I mean, you know, you're like a league all star. You got to an all Canadian level. You you took mm-hmm. your team to the nationals, all the way to the semifinal, right? Like mm-hmm. you had some yeah. success at the university level. How did, how were you able to? Or maybe those skills were always there. You just started to put more time into it. This is like super intriguing story so far. Yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. No, well, you know, I would, I would, I hate to keep saying it, but I was so fortunate. So my club coach, my first club coach was Dave Smart. So <laughs> he was, he, he was my, not bad. He was my coach. I, I don't even know at what age, maybe what was I like 15, maybe or 14. And so, 
like we were lucky enough i was with him like all summer every summer like till i mean we're still pretty close like it's still we still talk and you know we, I'm obviously i coached against him for the last bunch of years or lost against him for the last bunch of years <laughs> <laughs> but so he you know i was fortunate you're that while i was still hockey was can, yeah exactly i don't feel, I don't feel as yeah. bad about that so the whole but, the uh, whole country has been losing yeah <laughs> while i was playing that i would still in the summer be working with him working out with him now not as much skills but definitely that competitive spirit while i was mm -hmm. still trying to hockey was number one but so i was fortunate that i kind of had him and then i really I, I i firmly believe going to laurentian was like kind of helped me get that next step my first year i played with uh with norm Han, which is i mean he's a legend here laurentian and he's a really good scorer was a top score in the league for a bunch of years uh in in all of U sport and so he was on my team the first year and i just saw the way he could score and could shoot and and brad Hen was also on the team so the hand brothers were unbelievable to play with during uh during some of my career and i just kind of saw it there and i wouldn't say i spent more all of a sudden more time that's one of the regrets i have i don't think i spent a ton of time on my skills necessarily once i decided but i played more basketball mm. like you know i think I think you know yourself kids today are working on their skill set like crazy like they're doing so many skills so they have crazy skills but i never really did that but i played a lot yeah. like you want to play yeah. all right let's play yeah so yeah it's the opposite they how much pickup are they playing or how much are they going to a you know an open gym where there's 20 kids and you know if you lose you may not play for 40 minutes and you know what i mean and you and so exactly. you really have to compete to stay on the floor right so it's a little bit of the the opposite end yeah. And so even as, even in high school, when we would go, I would go and play with, with guys, Dave's age, who's, he's older than me. And so I would play against university guys when I was in high school and I would, could not do anything. I couldn't get to the rim, which was one of my stronger points, at least getting to the rim. And I would just get pushed off my spot. So I had to try and learn how, how can I do stuff? How can I get stronger? How can I improve these things? So I think once I went to Laurentian and Peter Campbell just helped me a ton, right? He really, I mean, Dave installed a lot of, of that competitive spirit and that and that work ethic and like you do whatever the, whatever I want you to do because what I'm asking you to do is going to help the team win. Yeah. And so he really instilled that in in me. And then I think when I got to Laurentian, Peter Campbell gave, added that added to that and just gave me the confidence that I could actually score and that I could be the leader of the team from a work standpoint, workout, and from you know some days I'm going to be hot, some days I'm not going to be hot. How else can I impact the game? Right. Mm -hmm. But just giving me that confidence to, you know, to, to be able to do it. And so I think that that was a huge step for sure. in My growth, uh, in basketball wise. And that was a quote. I came to Laurentian. He cut me from the provincial team, uh, the two years before I came to Laurentian, they kept me the next year, but he cut me. And I still like, it. still, everyone's like, you're still going to go there. He cut you from the provincial team. But like, yeah, I mean, I still like him. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure I'm better than the guys that he kept on the team. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's funny mm. how it works out too, right? Like, yeah, I had the same experience with Kev Hansen. I got, uh, I, I bailed on him last minute my first year to not go play for him. And then he was the U19 provincial team coach. And I was like, oh God, here we go. Right? <laughs> he, he ended up finding a way to mess with me and not like actually like he didn't cut me, but it was like he made me feel pretty bad about ditching him and then ended yeah. up going playing for him. So and then talk about those cool experiences at the, you know, well, I mean, it would have been the CIA level at that point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Laurentian, what's it, what's it like to play at a school there? I mean, now you're coaching, which is cool, but like, mm -hmm. you know, is it a smaller school? The support, there seems like there, it seems like you were in a period of time where there was so mem some momentum around the program and mm -hmm. some good stuff happening. And did you get to go to Halifax? Is that where the Nationals were? Yeah. And talk about some mm -hmm. of the cool moments in there. And because for those that don't know, I think one of the things that I'm jealous of, 
Well, uh, Brandon was pretty supportive. Like we had a good supportive crew, but I think out west, especially like the OUA does such a good job of creating rivalries and the support. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. see the crowd yeah. and the, it seems like yeah. there's a few more dollars being thrown around there um, for the kind of the more core sports. And mm-hmm. so I, I know that a lot of the guys out east have gone through some cool experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, when I played here, one of the things that Peter mentioned coming is that we're going to travel and we, we're going to try and let you see uh, the country. Like we're going to play tournaments in different parts of the country and, and and, and that was one of the things that I really liked, you know, I'd like to travel and wanted to play different places. And, and so that, that was amazing. We actually went to Brandon and played Brandon when uh, Keith Fassel was there and, and yeah. Sean Gray, like the name, man, they we're, I think we were in second year and we were just like in awe, like, man, these guys <laughs> we're playing against these guys. And I had known, known Keith a little bit, maybe played against him once before, like he's going to kill us. Like we, <laughs> we but it, it was amazing experience and it was, it was great. And then we actually, yeah, we went to, we went to two nationals. Um, the first one we were definitely the underdog we 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 got in because at the time how things changed at the time the OU East was kind of perceived as the worst conference in <laughs> the country and we won the worst conference in the country and and we lost uh, the wilson cup game by like 30 something to mac and so then we're playing them first round of, the, of nationals which you can't do anymore but so we're, yeah, a week later we're playing against them and and we, we actually were up we're up like i think we're up 10 with a minute and a half left and we ended up losing so we, we still blew it but it was uh it was an amazing experience and then my fifth year it was the opposite we were we were ranked one or two basically all year and uh we traveled out to victoria and we played vic out there with with heinrichson and they beat us there then they came to our place for a tournament which it was like crazy and they played so one and two were playing each other a bunch of times in the same year without not just nationals yeah and uh, we we beat them at our place and then then sure enough we played at uh, nationals and we lost to mac in the, in the semifinals again but going to going to halifax was just unbelievable like we were you know coach peter campbell just loved taking us there to get the experience mm-hmm. so we would actually do tournaments there we went to two tournaments at christmas time where they hosted it at the metro center oh no way just so we could yeah so we can get a feel for being in the gym playing in the gym and you know, get used to it. Yeah. So that was, uh, man, those, those experiences. Now Sudbury itself is Laurentian's a smaller school. Yeah. Um, maybe 9,000, including part-time students, but at that time, and, and actually we kind of brought it back now, the gym is packed. Like we have a small gym. We'd be, I hesitate to say we'd probably be the smallest gym in Canada West in terms of like attendant, like size you could fit in, but it's packed. Like there's people all over the place and it's a tough place to play in. It's a tough environment. It was, it was always really hard. And, and most of it was because back then they didn't really care about uh, policing the, the intake from the, from the students. So there would be uh there, you know, it was what you see on TV, like they're heckling them and the teams are taking their timeouts on the, at the foul line because you know, they can't hear a, hear a thing, yeah. but it was uh yeah. And I would have to go like, we, roommates would be doing it we'd have to go to our roommates and say hey calm down like we got to settle down they're gonna ca- ca- cancel a game or <laughs> so you guys got to tone it down a little bit but uh yeah it was great um, great environment to play in like home games are like all right this is the best like it was it was the thing to do uh for sure in town mm-hmm. that's great man um mm-hmm. and so during this time i mean it's so you know five years feels like a long time but it really isn't so within that time you start you know basketball starts rolling for you when are you like sitting at there like on the couch with your roomies playing some sega going you know what i think maybe i can look to like play overseas or i think maybe the national team is something i want to or like was it someone tapping you on the shoulder like that's that's also mm-hmm. such a interesting part of your story too and and uh how did that start to come around 
So uh, I, I, I think I, I mean this year I might not have, but I usually do it still here as a coach. So Peter Campbell had us had these goal sheet that we had to fill out every year. We actually only did it his first year, but it was a dream goal. My, on my dream goal, my first year at Laurentian was play on the national team. And then we have life goals, employment goals, and then we have, a, you know, you break down a little bit of just basketball skills. What do you want to work on and oh, that's cool. stuff like, like that. that. And so, yeah. So my goals, right? Yeah. yeah so my dream goal like is smart goal or something, you know, like that actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think five years from now. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut yeah, it was, it, and it was, and No, and it was like life. Some of them was like life goals. Like, what do you want with your life? And I have it written down. It's like married, have kids, be happy with, be happy with my life. Like, mm-hmm. so it was, so that was national team goal. And I was not written down. It was a dream goal. It wasn't, although, I, you know, I started on the provincial team. Even then it wasn't like, it wasn't like, okay, this guy's going to be on the national team someday. Like mm-hmm. we won gold at nationals, Ontario won, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't something that was there. And I, I just kind of, I don't know. I slowly kind of built, I, I would go to, you know, all the open tryouts that national teams had. I went to them, you know, my first year and, you know, did okay and just played my game. And then the second year, my second year, I, you know, I went again to the FISU games, um, to their open tryout. And I really wasn't supposed to make it, I don't think. And I just had a really good camp and I, I got better as camp went on, which a lot of people don't. And, and I knocked down some shots. And so I kind of put them in a position that they, they, it was tough for them to cut me from that, from that team after my second year. And so from there, it was like, man, my confidence and I and I my confidence was just unbelievable because I came back and now you're coming back to university playing against guys that aren't as good as you played in the summer, and like you know on that first FISU games team or I actually it wasn't FISU it was it was another national team but it was like Michael Meeks was on it Ron Barrett like it was almost all the guys that were on the Olympic team were on this team, so we're we're playing together and then the net then I made it the next year you know and play a little bit more minutes and you know I just kind of found a niche of how to be on the national team quite aware that I'm not the most talented player and but I'm gonna be there I'm gonna work hard and and that's kind of how it kind of started but even then still it wasn't like I was gonna make the national team like I wasn't projected yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like I was I think if you look at it from like a a pro sports you'd be like okay well this guy's already at his max he's not projected to get any better than he is right now <laughs> so so it wasn't really till you know, I played at one more piece of games after, uh, after my last, my last year of university. And I, I ran into Dave Picton actually, I don't know if, if people from out West know him, but he's a, he's a point guard that was on the junior national team, student teams, and really good point guard and won national nationals with Brock. Um, and he, I, I ran into him, uh, my last year and, and he talked to me about getting a passport, getting a European passport will help you be able to play overseas. And so I did a bit of research my last year, like literally in March and found out that I could get an Irish passport. And so I basically waited those next six months to try and get my Irish passport. And then mm-hmm. that kind of put it in my head, like, okay, well, maybe I can, you know, try and carve out a career overseas with it. Um, and how do you go about so, that? Because we're talking like 97. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, this is not a time where we're hopping on, like, even still, we're not hopping on Google and it, finding a club and contacting them. And, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. Talk about it, that process. Was it a grind? So it was right. So I was, yeah. I, I took, it took a while to get my passport. Cause you know, there's a lot of paperwork you have to go through to actually get your, uh, your foreign birth certificate and, and a bunch of things. So that took a long time. Um, but then I was, we were in Italy. So we were in Sicily for the FISU games and, uh, my passport came in. And so I had a Canadian agent, luckily enough, there was a Canadian agent that was trying to look after guys at that point, but 
Yeah, he's, he wasn't promoting me yet because I didn't have a passport. Like, there was no chance I was playing as a foreigner. Um, so once I got the passport, then it kind of came a little bit easier. And, you know, I was cheap. Like, it was basically like, we'll pay for food. Like, and so I, it kind of went from there. And, and I, I really, I ran into a really good situation in England. That was the first, uh, my first contract was uh, with Worthing uh, Bears, actually. Mm. And I, I had a ridiculous probably month and a half, two months of uh pro where i was just i just played well i i did kind of what i do i just worked hard but so i was just filling stat sheets with you know points rebounds assists and you know we had a pretty good team and and we oh, were man. doing really well yeah google exists now we know we've seen that one we've seen a few of the stat lines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There we go. he's not gonna say anything he's just the humble pie over here come on what was it, it was like almost like a triple double and with 30 right so yeah yeah that's cool though. So it was yeah, it was it was good. We had a good yeah. team. We had a we had a we had four Americans on the team with passports, so it was like it was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um so that yeah, it was amazing. And then we I mean as things go in Europe, let some people know the team went bankrupt. Yeah. Like <laughs> so so midway through midway through that, I think it was November maybe, uh yeah, the team went bankrupt. So they were trying to uh they were trying to change it up a little bit. But there were like it was just so much happened my my uh, that year. I, I actually got sick too when I was in England. So, and not a lot of people know it, but I I uh, I was like out for six weeks or four weeks with uh, loss of blood. Really? So yeah, 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 it was really weird. So I was in the hospital kind of, and and uh, basically had to get blood transfusions in England. If my while I was playing pro, and so I was out, I couldn't play. I was just losing energy, and I didn't know why. Like I was trying to figure out, it doesn't make sense. I was having like two or three dinners a night, and I'm not a. I know I'm not a big guy anyway, but I'm like, man, I don't eat this much. I'm not playing that hard that I need to be eating to, yeah. to fill it up. So, yeah, I ended up yeah. So that that kind of happened at the same time as they were going bankrupt. So I kind of I came back from from that and started to play again, and then they, you know, I I got I got fortunate to get an opportunity to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. and try out with like the at the time one of the best teams in europe which was uh fortitudo bologna which was like they were euro league unbelievable like the best team so i actually went from i flew from england to to uh, italy it was an amazing amazing experience that uh that this is where the googling might have not got me that chance right now because yeah. they were trying to bring in somebody <laughs> they were they were trying to bring in somebody that uh that could uh, replace Dominique Wilkins for ten minutes a game. Okay. So yeah, Very so similar. Dominique Wilkins, yeah. Do, Dominique Wilkins was the three man, <laughs> and they needed somebody just to be to give him some minutes. Yeah. And and so my stat line, as you said, was it looked good. I had lots of points, lots of rebounds. They're like, oh yeah, this guy. Okay, we he, he said six four, but he must be. And then so I show up and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't exactly the three the three men in Euro League we were looking for. <laughs> so That's it was awesome. crazy. We had we had like three days of practices and every one on one matchup I was matched up with him because we were in the same position and we would sh- we'd shoot together and it was it was crazy. It was like I was like I was in awe while <laughs> I was trying out. It was crazy. Did you get to chat with him at all or not really like he was pretty yeah Yeah. he was i actually felt bad like i mean you'll know this but my i'm not a great shooter i'm a streaky shooter for sure so the end of the end of practice was like okay you know with your partner till like shoot till you make eight eight for ten 
and I'm not, I'm streaky shooter. I'm a streaky foul shooter to, to a certain extent. So he goes up first and makes like 10 for 10. And then I go up and I'm like, I'm like six for 10. He keeps rebounding for the next one. I'm six for 10. I'm like, you can go. I'll just, I'll just rebound for myself to finish this off. <laughs> He's like, all right. Okay. All right. I'll yeah. see you later. <laughs> if you're anybody, but Dominique Wilkins, you'd be rebounding for me, but you're Dominique Wilkins. So yeah, yeah. You're out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make it with you watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, funny, it actually. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, like, I mean, but then you kind of brought up an interesting point, but about meeting Dominique, but were there any points where you're just like, holy crap, like, well, I'm on a plane to go try out for a team in Italy and, like, I'm just a dude from Laurentian, like, this is crazy? Or were you just, like, trying to ride the wave and continue to work hard and do your thing? I was that was always kind of like it hovers around right like I was flying from uh, I think at that point I was flying from Manchester or Leeds England to Bologna and like they picked me up and it's like like first class first class like okay go to my stall and like you know full gear stall and like here's your stuff like it was I was go back to the hotel like order whatever you want all the time I'm like this is crazy <laughs> like I was just in the room like this is ridiculous where where am I right now <laughs> David David Rivers was the other foreigner at the time too which oh, was yeah. a really good point guard for Notre Dame yeah and they I mean they had NBA draft picks that were the Italian guys that were really good at the time so it was like I was like what am I doing here like oh, man these guys <laughs> it was so it was awesome I was definitely aware of that. Okay, I'm going to work hard and see what happens, but this is fun. Yeah, yeah. Had you stuck around, like you wouldn't have to worry about that franchise or team folding, hey? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I remember a guy who played high school with Dave Morgan. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he ended up playing in Greece in like one year. They'd got half their pay or whatever, and they showed up for practice, and they're like, yeah, the team's done, and everyone needs to go. And they're like, well, what yeah. about the rest of our pay? It's like, no. Nope, you're yeah, getting like yeah. your seventy-five grand or whatever. <laughs> like, not the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens often. I want to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our major sponsors, the Parkside Brewery, located at two seven three one Murray Street in Port Moody. Parkside offers great beer, like the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, and my personal favorite, not just for the can. The Dreamboat Hazy IPA. Parkside has been very supportive of who we are. A couple of former basketball players, Sam Payne and Travis McLean, love the game and they love what we're doing. And we would really appreciate it if you would go out of your way to support them. If you can't make it to the brewery or aren't comfortable, find them in any local government store and please support. Hope to see you at Parkside. And one thing we've really enjoyed, obviously, you know, the connection that I've known a lot of the guys from that 2000 team, and that was such a fun year. Um, when did you know that, A, there was a reality year in and year out that you were going to have a chance to make that national team and that, like, was it spoken about the opportunity that your crew could make a run for that Olympic team and, and make the Olympics? Or was it just like, let's continue to keep working and hope everyone stays healthy and we know that when the time comes, we'll be there. Cause you know, we talked to Maeve, right? Obviously the OG Maeve yeah. and you yeah. know, guys like yourself that like you mentioned, you know, are quote unquote, the, maybe the last guys to be selected. So there's a little bit mm -hmm. of paranoia and like pressure on you. Um, but also how do you go to, you know, just trusting everything that you've been through up to your, that point to know that, Hey, I, 
I just got to give it my best and whatever happens, happens. So many interesting things I'd love to hear you talk yeah. about with, within that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd been used to, I guess, being cut or, but you know, I, I went to the national team the, the summer before and was cut in 99. So 98, I was cut from the team. And so 99, I was actually on my honeymoon the day before the day, the, the tryouts started. So I got in a day later than everybody else coming back from a, a week, uh, a week honeymoon in the uh, Dominican Republic. <laughs> so, so we got, I got there and, and I, I was still focused. Like I tried to shoot there. I shot in yeah. one hoop. I'm like, this isn't going to help. I'm not a good shooter anyway. I'm not making a team cause I'm shooting. So <laughs> I did, I did go on the, uh, I did go for a few runs on the beach. And so I'm That's hoping good, I broke yeah. even by the whole uh, week, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I never really, it never really bothered me that much. I never really got too stressed. I, I never really thought, you know, I always kind of thought I was playing, you know, I was playing with house money a little bit anyway. Like, yeah, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm here playing. All right. They're going to keep me. Okay. Like I remember calling my wife at the time after the first set of tryouts and it was like, Hey, you're going, we're going to us. We're going to Vancouver. And so I called her. I'm like, Hey, I'm, uh, they're taking me to Vancouver. We leave in like two days or a day. I'm like, Oh, great. He's like, what's happened? So I don't know, but I'll be in Vancouver for a few days at least. Like, right. And so it never really dawned on me about, you know, about getting cut or not getting cut. And that, and that really was like kind of year in, year out. And I think it might, it might be harder now with given social media and everything, but there was still noise, like how are you on the team? Like I could definitely heard those things. Mm-hmm. You're lucky this guy's not here. You're lucky that guy's not here. And I, I was like, yeah, I am probably like, yeah, he's better <laughs> than me. Like Rick, right? Like yeah. people talked about Rick Fox a lot and you're like, yeah, Rick Fox is really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to be better than him. Like, yeah. So I, I, I tried, I, I think I just tried not to let it ever affect me. And I really just tried to enjoy, you know, enjoy the process. And if I get cut, I get cut. But, you know, mm-hmm. this is, let me just work hard. And I, I think at an early age, I learned, okay, I, I got to make a team. Well, I got to try and listen to the coach. He's ultimately the one that's going to make the decision. So, you know, what can I, what's he saying? What does he want me? What does he want me to do? What does he want us to do as a team? How can I help that? And then, you know, otherwise it's like try and be, you know, I learned that a lot from, from Peter Campbell as well as it's like you, everybody's equal here. If, like, I don't need to, you know, we don't have a specific guy to bring the uniform bag. We, we all bring the uniform bag, like whoever's closest to it on the way out, like that kind of thing was kind of ingrained in me. So, you know, off the corridor or, you know, locker room stuff never really was anything I thought about. It was just in my, my nature and it was just on the court. It actually was for sure though. You had to, you know, focus more on, man, I got to pay attention to what this guy wants, not what I want to show him. I got to pay attention. What is he, what is he looking for? And, 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 you know, I better execute it to perfection. That's amazing, man. I just thinking about like our younger kids and some, we got some that listen to the show and things like that. But, you know, I think there's so many great like pro D things on this show too, as well within people's journeys and that like, Mm -hmm. When you're younger and you're trying out for the provincial team, we, we normally do when we're players are like, all right, I got to get buckets, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it seems like with each level, it's more, where do I fit in? Okay, so I'm getting on this plane to go to Italy. I'm literally trying out for a 10-minute a game spot. So yeah. that's like, don't turn the ball over, be really fit, guard the, mm-hmm. guard the point guard or whoever the other three, whoever yeah. that is, and just do my role, right? Whereas mm-hmm. when we're younger, we're caught up in all these other things. And the, the older you get, it's like, what niche can I fit? And when you're starting to put things like uh, a national team jersey or money on the line, you better be able to perform that role. Like you say, listen to your coach, right? Don't mm-hmm. don't think about your what it is you can provide. It's what, what can 
what can you know they, what are they telling you that we need you to provide that's good stuff mm-hmm. yeah Spoken i think it's helped that yeah I, I i wouldn't say i use that philosophy through my whole professional career i probably sure, should have a little more but yeah, yeah it's definitely it even helped in in certain situations there where i like professionally playing and thinking i'm playing well until i have a coach a meeting with the coach and he's like yeah you're not helping this guy get any better mm-hmm. and you know professional level like you said you're trying to get money like you're playing for your next contract a lot of times right and it's like yeah. it's a it's a difficult thing to navigate you know trying to win and trying to get your next contract because nobody specifically for me i'm not i'm not going to light light them up and they're not going to see 50 point games i'm not going to average 50 points i'm going to do some intangibles that are going to help us win so it's yeah. like okay do you respect what i do and and want to resign me or am i going to be able to get a contract somewhere else with with kind of doing what i do right um also like i always found it really intriguing too from more of like a psychology standpoint jay's ability to see the future and see like be confident enough in himself that he could create a culture that he didn't necessarily have to feel pressured that there was 12 of the most phenomenal basketball players in Canada. It was a mix of a little bit of everything, right? I've always found that mm-hmm. super powerful and how he had the that ability to, yeah, kudos to the guys in the jerseys that, you know, came together. But when that's your leader and, I mean, for, for you and like Maeve and those guys, how did you not want to show up and just compete and get in Nash's grill every day mm-hmm. or like dive on the floor, do what it was because you're just like, you realize that there was value in everything that you did, you know? Yeah. I think as a leader, like he does, he, he did an amazing job of that. Right. Like it was like there, our, our coaching staff was a collective, like everybody in the staff, you know, from Johnny Lee that you had on, like everyone had a Lee. voice and yeah. everybody had to respect everybody's voice. Like it was like, yeah, it's, that's what they're saying. And, and part of the, I think a major part of the reason that I, I he brought me on the first trip that I ever went on was, was because of assistant coach, uh, Mike Kate. So Mike Cates was uh, the head coach of a FISU games team the one summer. And I mean, he said to Jay, like, don't cut Sean and until, uh, until you take him on a trip, like take him on a trip first and see, like, see him on a trip. And so I think that played in his mind a little bit too. And so that's like, like you say, that's confidence in a leader to be like, you know what, I'm going to listen to one of my assistants and he wasn't even going on the trip. So it was like, I'm listening to one of my members of the staff that, that has a a major thing to say, right? Like take this guy, don't cut him, even though you probably should, I'm telling you, like keep him and see what happens. So yeah, I think that's a, that's an amazing skill for a leader to have really to really empower your whole staff to, to uh, be able to speak and, and, uh, and really help your team to be successful ultimately. Yeah. Wow. That's great, man. And Mike Cates, what a legend. Um, and that guy's an absolute legend, but mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. Like a story that most people wouldn't know. Right. And, and, and it says a lot about you and your character and who you are as a person, what you stand for is like, Hey, on the road, you don't got to worry about me. I'll be there. I'm doing my job. Right. Is mm-hmm. essentially what he mm-hmm. was saying. And, you know, for Jay to allow that to happen and trust is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talk about that. You know, you guys qualify, get to have the olympic experience like there must have been so many cool things and i just you know when you think of the the great dudes that you got to just spend quality time with and and hoop with at the same time like yeah. what an eclectic group of characters right and mm-hmm. uh, right like mm-hmm. you say right down to the johnny lees you know just so many right. good human beings and give some reflection on that um before we kind of talk about coaching for you um because I, I you know it's Selfishly, it's been a fun part of the podcast is trying to get all mm-hmm. you guys to get on. I know like Einrichsen's left me on red, but I know we'll, we'll figure out, we'll get him in there <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have to do some research to get some other guys. But um, mm-hmm. it was a big part of why we wanted to have you on because it's, it's, a, it's a cool moment for Canadian basketball. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it's that, right? It's relationship building, right? And I mean, those teams, uh, I think we all kind of had played together at certain aspects in our younger careers as well, or played against each other and kind of knew each other. And, you know, to then play together, we kind of like, there was that already that, like that care factor that you care about the other person was, was, was loomed large, I think for, for, for me, for sure. And I think for, for most of the guys, like it was, we just loved hanging around together. Like, I, I don't know in this day and age, if we would have as much with social media and phones and so we only really had each other when you're on the road. Right. So like we would just hang out, like, what are we doing? All right, let's go do this. Or we played games. Like we played, we played cards like all the time, like consistently played cards. And, and then we would talk about it or who won and who didn't win. And we would talk about games in club when we played one against each other when we were like 16, ah, we killed you here. Or you guys killed us there. Like there was just that friendly banter that was kind of always going around. And it was, I mean, I just, we just knew each other pretty well and, and just knew what each had to offer in terms of being, you know, supportive. And, and I still remember, I actually, I was talking to Greg Francis today and it was just being coming to come on this, the, the podcast here was like, I thought about it and like going to Hawaii, we went to Hawaii and then we went to the, to Hong Kong and then to Australia that one year. And we had a seven hour flight and him and I played spades the whole flight. So it's like the flight went by, this flight went by like that. And we played this, this kind of changed, different version of a two man spade game. And he's like, you want to play cards? Yeah. Okay. And we played and we were basically half asleep playing, but like just playing, drinking water, trying to like, trying to do all the things we're supposed to do. And like, next thing you know, like we're landing, we're like, we're landing. We just played cards the whole trip. (laughs) And it was just, it was, it was just, it was amazing. Like we just had little things like that where we would just, we'd get along and, and uh, it, it really made, obviously, the road better. I mean, you're seeing the world and you're traveling, so that's always good. But to then do it with other people that are you enjoy being around and, and you want to do it, and then it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's an amazing group for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, like, look back about all, all the opportunities? And I believe over 100 games of Team Canada, like, mm-hmm. you ever just pinch yourself and think, wow, like, I got the opportunity to wear that jersey so many times. Like, that's got to just be so i mean and i know you're still in it you're coaching the competitive juices are still flowing but when you yeah. give yourself those opportunity to reflect it must be pretty cool yeah i mean i try not to flex too much on it but it's amazing when i think about it like 100 games i, I never put a cap on it to think if i could ever make yeah. it it was always like i said that dream goal can i play in the national team and then you think i played 100 times like when i, I when i actually thought about that i did it 100 times like wow i didn't think i would ever play that much like it's a long time that's so like was, four, uh, that's like three and a half seasons of a regular season. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of games. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Cool and, it, and it, amazing. Like it was so much fun. Like I always, I think, I think I might have heard Michael Meeks might have mentioned it too. Is like I never, and for me, it's a little bit different. But I never really played. I mean, I played in the some in the season, but it was always to get better for the national team. Yeah, like, that's how. That. I, that's that was kind of my mindset. Was always like. Like, I'm playing here, but, like, man, I'm going to be good. Okay, when we go to the national team, man, I'm, I added this to my game a little bit. And, man, I can bring this, uh, this, this. Like, it was, oh, I can cover that guy a little bit better. Uh, like, just little things like that. I was always, like, looking forward to the national team to, you know, to, to do that. And it was almost, that was, okay, the national team, maybe I'll play somewhere, I'll get pro. But if not, oh, well, I'll, but hopefully I'll keep playing on the national team. Like, it was always yeah. that aim was to be in shape in the year so you could play on the national team in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, and like kind of remeasure yourself. Everybody goes away. Mm. It's like, all right, I, I don't want so and so to to get better than me, right? Or to, yeah, yeah. Need to catch any ground on me, right? So that's interesting perspective mm. too. And that's the thing about all you dudes, man. You're all like uh, 
cash and whatever, but I know the low, there's like bulldog in all of you, man. You're all like super competitive guys, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. They're competitive spirit. Like that's, yeah. man, that's one thing I, I, I've, I've mentioned it on, on a few, uh, I guess talks le- recently, or even just, you know, with, with my team and just like that competitiveness is what drives it. Like, like I, do like I mentioned it something it was like in the terms of like winning, right? Do I love to win? I I don't I wouldn't say I love to win. Hmm. Right? And do I hate to lose? Well, I don't I don't like it. It's not gonna ruin my whole day or my life if I lose one basketball game. Yeah. Right? Like I don't but I love to compete and I want to compete to try and win. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. okay, let's play. Like you beat me, all right, let's play again. You beat me, all right, let's play again. Like I'm <laughs> I'm getting you. And that yes. one time I get you, like I beat you. Yeah, I beat yeah. you ten times. It doesn't matter. I beat you this time. Let's play again. Like <laughs> it's kind of that. Like I think that mentality of let's play again and let's compete. And uh, I think that that's part. Of, I, I think is uh, is something. It's hard to teach too. Like that's something that's really difficult to to teach in in, in people. But uh, it's mm-hmm. something that I've kind of I've kind of used as a driving force for myself. Cool. That's awesome. Um, what did you take? Just a random question for you. What did you take from Steve as a player and as now a coach that you've applied to, that you applied? Um, obviously, you know, like you were, it was 2000. So you played a few more years of pro after that. Um, mm-hmm. Or any, was there anybody else on the team? I mean, like Rowan and those guys, there were, there were no slouches on that team, right? Um, yeah. What were the things that you took away for yourself in continuing playing on your career? And then that you've maybe think that you've applied into coaching? if any. Yeah, I think in terms of my playing career, I think I really, you know, from Steve, I really tried to, I, I'd love to say I tried to mimic his shooting touch, but I, I could not. <laughs> I definitely would, from him, I would, for him, I would have taken away for sure trying to, you know, make your teammates better offensively, like find guys and, and be more of a playmaker and, 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 you know, find what they're good at. And, and I, I remember back in one team in Finland I played with, I was playing pretty well and, and the coach had talked to me. He's like, Sean, you're playing well, but I mean, so-and-so is, is he's not getting any shots. And it wasn't because I was shooting at time, but he's like, you got to get him shots. You can create a shot for him. He can't create his own shot. You have to find him a shot. And I, and that was, that was after, that was like 2004. I think I was playing in Finland. So that was later on in my career, which I, I had always kind of thought I got, I found people shots, but mm-hmm. it was like, no, you didn't. Apparently this guy's not. not getting shots. <laughs> yeah, and he was, and he was right. He's like, yeah, he can't create his own shots. The guy went. The guy, this guy went almost the whole. He went the whole, half of the season without shooting a two. He only shot threes. What? Yeah, he only shot threes. Yeah, and so I'm like, man, I'm trying to find him shots, but <laughs> but he, I mean, that kind of clicked for me, and I was able to find him a lot more. Realizing, okay, he's not going back door. He's not mm-hmm. curling for a two. Like just little things like that that help, but. Uh, Steve also just his teammate aspects. I mean, you hear it. I mean, it's like a broken record, but the way he actually, I mean, maybe he learned it from Jay is like, he empowered everybody. I and mean, like, everybody could say something to him. You weren't afraid to say something to him or, or, or call him out. Not that we ever had to, but I mean, you wouldn't be afraid to. And, and, and just, I mean, he was obviously, we always thought he was our leader. He was our leader and we would go wherever he wanted us to go. We're going like, mm-hmm. we'll go there. And so I, I, I think, if I look back on it a lot, there's a few teams where I tried to do the similar things in the sense that I would encompass everything off the court, kind of like, Hey guys, let's go do this together. Let's go do that together. Let's find out about each other more and and care about each other more. And that'll lead to us playing together on the court, Um, Mm -hmm. which is difficult when you're talking about professional sport, right? Cause everybody, I mean, you're trying to win, but pro sports in Europe, like you're still trying to get your contract. Like, 
Yeah. If you're scoring 20 points a game, uh, I'm not scoring 20 probably. Like, I'm not getting a contract. So it's everybody kind of being reflective, like, hey, but you're not going to score 20. <laughs> not <laughs> not ever. You might score every once in a while, but you're not going to average 20. You're not going to average enough shots. to. So yeah. that is something I, I kind of took from him. But then, you know, you go through the whole team, there's all, like, Gracchi's intensity, like, is ridiculous. Like, he's off the charts. I always thought I was really intense. But, man, you get him in competitive mode and intensity mode, like – like those are things I try and instill and, and just his sealing ability on uh, like, we always joke about it. Like, like he could seal like unbelievable. He could seal anybody, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't matter the size, what time the game is he's getting, he's going to seal you in the post. And he'd never say it, but like I LA summer league one year, we played the Clippers. And, uh, I don't know if you know, you've, you'll remember it's like Darius miles and Lamar Odom oh. are playing on the Clippers Knuckleheads. and they're playing in this. Yeah. And they're playing in the summer league. And like I think it was Darius Miles was on him. I was like, Jay was like, he can't cover Pete. And it's like, <laughs> first big seal, first big seal. Darius Miles looking at uh, Lamar Odom was like, you got to cover him. I can't cover him. He's stealing me too much. <laughs> Same thing, Lamar Odom, Pete Garacci, seal, seal, seal. Like, so I, I mean, you could go on and on. Just everybody. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable that camaraderie we still have. The guys that are still involved in basketball, I still talk to, you know, fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, Rowan's confidence, like Rowan's, Rowan's transformation from, from, uh, you know, when he was first in high school till, till when he finished playing pro was like, oh man, he, he was in France my last year of playing pro and he was playing as basically as a point guard, which, wow. I mean, if you told, yeah, if you told him, if you told Rowan that in grade, you know, grade nine, you're going to be a point guard playing pro. He, he might've been really, no, I'm a shooter. I'm a scorer. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. He, not that he couldn't do it. He would have just thought, no, that's not what I'm going to do. And you see him there. I watched him on TV, like Rowan. Oh man, like he was just killing. Like he's finding guys, and so it's just. I think the ability to adapt and and do what's best for your team is like is something that I took from from that skill. Yeah, I think moving into my coaching aspect, mm. I think from Steve. Obviously, I've, I was ahead of him, so I started coaching. Uh, I started coaching before him, so he's he's got to learn. He's got to learn from me finally. Absolutely. But, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I just see his demeanor. His demeanor is kind of similar to mine. I don't get too excited on the court on on the on the i guess when i'm coaching but mm-hmm. i i like the way he interacts i like the way you know i i, I see him I me mean, i mean you probably watch it too but you see him in press conferences and like he doesn't slip up mm-hmm. right like he's gone through a lot over the last seven months as yeah. a head coach and like he's not slipping up like so he's not slipping up means he's he's speaking from the heart and genuine in all those Every single Zoom meeting he's having in interviews, he's speaking from his heart. It's nothing scripted. It's nothing somebody's telling him to say. Like it, that's like that's commendable because it's amazing that he, he's he's it's really speaking to his character. That that's who he is. It's not yeah. a facade, and that's you know that's something I try and do. But I I looking at it now, seeing him do that, I was like, man, I got to do it more. Like yeah. I, I rarely try and write things down. I'll, I'll jot some ideas down maybe, but I usually try and do interviews or speeches without anything written down just because i really wanted to come from from uh from where i am and who i am so that's uh that's something i have I've, uh, I've tried to take from him right on as a coach uh, i mean like 100 words or less describe the olympic experience i'm just well, kidding. you don't have to give 100 words it's just overall i would say unbelievable yeah. unbelievable yeah. like it gets it, it meets your expectations and that like and more it blows them away like I've, I, so many times I've talked about the opening ceremonies and it's like, yeah, I say it right now and like, I get chills. It's yeah. been, it's been 21 years and you're just like walking into the stadium. And you're just like, Holy, 
Mm-hmm. Like the whole experience was like, it was so unbelievable. Like obviously the run we made is crazy. Awesome. And then like, you just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. Like it's, I, uh, you know, it's something that you can only experience a few times once we're lucky once some other people do it a few times, but it's like, it's so worth it. People who think it's a sacrifice. I don't really think it's a sacrifice for myself. Like I never took anything I did as a sacrifice to get there. It's like, if you do think that then, okay, fine. But it's definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Whatever you had to sacrifice. Like it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's just, especially I think in a team sport, I just love being with the team and you get to experience with other people. And it's like, it just, it was just amazing. Unbelievable. Good stuff, man. So much good stuff. Talk about basketball starts to kind of, as the player come to an end for you. Um, mm-hmm. And then how did you figure that out? You know, I, people on the show have talked about, you know, ha- having a tough time sort of transitioning because when basketball is like such a huge part of your life and then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now what? Right. And mm-hmm. what a cool hoops journey you've had in terms of where you are mm-hmm. now. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's even, even cooler. Right. So yeah. um, t- tell us about all that stuff and, and how that <clears throat> came around for you. Yeah. So I, I think my pro career was like, at times it's a battle, right? You're, you're constantly trying to go for the next contract and, and, and I enjoyed it, but it was always still a, you know, summers, if you hadn't signed, it was a little bit of a battle mentally. And I had finally kind of found a groove and, you know, done a pretty good job. And I'd, I was, uh, I was in Malouse, France for a three-year contract, which is unheard of kind of, I'd been there. I signed an extension after three months of being there the first year. So that was my last contract, but I was still, I think my last year there, I was starting to feel like, man, this is tough. Like not necessarily going to practice, but you know, at times getting up for games was like, I could feel a little bit of a mental drain Hmm. on it. And that was, so I kind of sensed that, all right, am I going to resign? Am I, and I, and I had some really good opportunities to keep playing. And I was just like, I don't know, like if I'm being true to myself, like, not sure. Like, you know, I, I, at, at times it would be like, I don't really want to warm up. And I don't know, like European teams, but I guess we do it a little bit more now over here, but warm ups like 50 minutes. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like hardcore. It's like, <laughs> you're doing this, you do like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to do warm up. Like, so it was always a, it was always a battle just to get through warm up. The games were fine, but like just doing those little other things that, you know, you need to do to play. Mm-hmm. But so it was more of a mental like, thing oh. than physical. Yeah, like I had, yeah. I had some injuries, not nothing major. I ruptured uh, my plantar fascia one, like I guess two years before I retired, and that set me back a bit. But then, like some broken fingers, but nothing really huge. And I, you know, but it was still like, okay, were well, you going to keep doing this? And and it still was. I, 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 I still thought about it. I was, I, uh, like I said, I had some opportunities, and maybe even coaching opportunities over there. To, they, they have more of a, a transition. I guess they do it a little bit better over there is there's a transition from a player to a coach if you want to be in and you go through your coaching levels while you're playing your last year, maybe, or, or you jump into an assistant coach role kind of right away. So those things were kind of all, all a little bit of options. Um, and, and so that and a few other teams and, and then the uh, Virgil Hill, who's, who, uh, who's, uh, from Simon Fraser, obviously, yes. right. A couple of played Virg. there and then co. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Verge decided, uh, he wasn't going to stay at Laurentian, uh, my last year of playing, I guess, ended up being. And so, you know, the job came open and my wife and I, we'd kind of talked about whether we wanted to live overseas or live in Canada. And it was my first daughter, uh, Sila was born in France. 
And so we were trying to see, do we want to raise her overseas or do we want to raise her here? And so we kind of said, well, we, we want to come back home kind of. And at that time, at that time, uh, U sports jobs, you know, they weren't coming and going that fast. Yeah. It was like their guys are in their job for like 25, 30, 40 years. They weren't just coming open, let alone the school that I, that I kind of want to coach at, <laughs> that I would want to coach at more than any other school. So it came up. I was like, who knows when it'll come up again? Like we probably should, I probably should take it if we're thinking about it. If I think I have two years left of playing, I should probably, you know, get rid of it now and, and, and come back. So I was actually still playing. So it was like, it was March, April, and I talked to the AD about wanting to play. And then our season ended mid-April because we didn't make the playoffs. And so I flew back home and I had an interview the next week. And then I started as a head coach June 1st, I think it was. Uh, so my transition, there wasn't a lot of time to think yeah. about the athletic into the, into no basketball. I was right into your body was still sore and you're coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I don't know if people think about it, but I, I mean, a lot, a lot of people do it, but I went from like saying yes to the job to the next morning. Like, what did I just do? Like, yeah. do, do I really want to coach? Like that, yeah. that was definitely going through my head. Like the first week is like, man, the amount of stuff that goes into it. It's not just showing up at the gym and like, all right, there's practice. Let's go. Like there's so much involved in it. So I was already feeling that, that anxiousness, uh, you know, the next morning after, after, uh, agreeing to do it. But, uh, so yeah, it was kind of a seamless transition, uh, to, to, to come back and, and do it. Thankfully. That's awesome. That's a great story. And since mm-hmm. that time, like your time with the program, you know, you've been involved with the junior national team, the FISU games mm-hmm. team, like as an assistant and as a head, like, so you're, you've gone from questioning whether you wanted to do it to being full swing mm-hmm. into it. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. And, um, how's it going it, like talk about being able to like how many people get to play for their country and then coach for their country. You know what I mean? Like Meeks right. is obviously super heavy involved with it as well. And mm-hmm. like just some, some cool opportunities to play with some super high level guys. And then obviously, you know, U sport. And mm-hmm. like you said before in the show, <laughs> your conference used to be not so great. And now, you know, it's a battle every year, right? Just to even try and have a crack to make nationals, right? So mm-hmm. lots of things happening in there for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing. I think the first year, obviously, was I, I had a plan for what I wanted to do and kind of implemented it. And there was obviously highs and lows, lots of losses. and But, I, you know, I kind of had an idea of how I wanted to build it. And 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 I, I, I really wanted to be a development coach and, and really help uh, players get better, right? Get Improve their skills and and kind of follow that model um Mm -hmm. and i was realistic in the sense that i you know i know not everybody's going to be similar to me and think that laurentian's a great destination for them athletically you know one of the things i just say is i i did it i came here and i was successful so you can do it and we're gonna you know i try and obviously try and show them all the good good things about coming to laurentian and, and and being coached by me and so i think i really obviously i mean i grew into it from that day of thinking whether i made a mistake or not is like well, the stuff I do now with my team, or I didn't do as much my first year. I, I spent more time on some of the skills and video, or or some other things. Whereas now, like it's my days full with them as much as I can, trying to get individual workouts in, and and really spending more time on that. And not even, and again, uh, loving it, like wanting to do it. Like this is the best. Like the best part of my day is going to going to practice, like going to work with them, and right enjoying that aspect of teaching them and, and and trying to help them get better and so it's then you look at our conference it's like whew, man our conference is tough but i like we've had votes to change the conference from time to time on how the alignment of who we play the most and i've always voted in favor of playing carlton and ottawa just because you know 
and Ryerson to a certain extent as in the last few years, but they're always the better. So like, we want to play the better teams. We're, we're going to get better whether we like it or not by playing those teams. So let's just embrace it. And you know, that's the level we want to get to. And, and, and so let's, let's keep going. And so that's, that's the part I've enjoyed the most, just seeing us build and get better and improve. And, and uh, you know, we've been lucky the last few years to have some, some pretty good players and uh, you know, had some, some success on the national level, but yeah, like you said, it's, you know, I think it was maybe, I want to say like seven years ago, I said, like, it's not good enough out of Ontario East to, to just be able to get to nationals. You have to be good enough to win nationals just to get there. Like you, <laughs> you, you can't just participate. So yeah, that was, uh, I think, yeah, I that was one thing that. that kind of helped. Yeah. I played with Daru and Hey, right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's got a good story too. We'd love to get him on as well. And he's done a, you know, a good job out there as well with his program. He's done an amazing job there. I mean, yeah. you're right, you're, you know, your rival, the best team in the country is in your backyard all the time. Like you, mm-hmm. he works, mm-hmm. he works his butt off and, and does a great job at Ottawa for sure. Yeah. Awesome. If you had, just from a coaching perspective, if you had some mm-hmm. general advice kind of that you could give maybe a younger coach um, and a younger player, what would they be? Anything off the top of your head in terms of, what you should look for skill development what do you think you should focus on how important is practice anything that you could think um yeah you know the younger version of you as a coach and a player what what advice would you give or even just when you're going to a gym to recruit what are you looking for you know mm-hmm. you mentioned a lot you you weren't always the guy yeah. that was going to score 30 so mm-hmm. you know are you looking at the middle of the pack guys like what a you know, it's kind of, I just asked you like yeah. 15 questions in one, but I just want to hear. <laughs> Find which one I want to answer. Okay, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, so some of the things I think, I think for a young coach, I'd be like, you know what? With your team now, try and get to know them a lot better. Like know their story, like you're doing right now, like know their, their full story. I think uh, a lot of times as coaches, we say it, or at least I do, is like, hey, we have an open door policy. If you have an issue or problem, come and talk to me. And, you know, even as a young coach, I would say that, uh, and I would get a little bit maybe defensive whenever it came to basketball and they were questioning things. Cause that would be, you know, definitely frustrating to hear it, but, but more when, you know, it was more in the sense of off the court stuff. If you have some issues off the court, then don't hesitate to come and talk to me. And then it would just leave it there. Right. And it would just kind of hang in the air and, you know, if nothing comes up and you think nothing's going up, but I don't think that's the case. I think there's, you know, everyone's dealing with lots of things. So I think, I think I would tell a young coach and myself, I tell myself that now is trying to find out who these people are more like who these players are, what's their life story. What's like, you know, that's a huge key just to help, help people improve on the court is knowing what's, what's hindering them off the court potentially, you know, what's, what's, what's the fight. And, and for us, right. Like, I mean, Northern Ontario is predominantly uh, white people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know if you looked at our team, but our team is predominantly black. Like we have more black players. And so there's a a whole lot of issues that come with that, that I think over the years uh, has become more aware to me that I wasn't aware of before. And I, and I had a good relationship with, I have a good relationship with most of my players, but not enough that they would trust me if, if, if something was happening. Um, So I, I, and that's naturally going to affect you to some extent on the court. Um, So I think that would be something that's important. I think for, for young coaches to really realize it's not just about basketball all the time. It's like, let's get to know these kids. And, and really that's how you're going to help them. Um, In terms of skills, I I think I touched on a little bit before. It's like, just be competitive, like be competitive, 
sure, work on your skills, you know, do the individual training and, and do that. But that doesn't mean the next day you're going to be unbelievable at it. Like if you shoot 80% from three stationary in practice on Monday, doesn't mean Tuesday it's going to be there, right? You got to do it again and you got to keep working at it. And, and if you don't do it, don't get upset. Like you, you're, you people miss shots, like people miss mm-hmm. shots, people make mistakes. Like don't get so, so worked up about those type of things. I think is more just put your time in, work hard, enjoy it, find the joy in it. Right. Like it's like, uh, there was an article that uh, Steve Kerr had placed uh, a while ago. I think somebody had written it about just the difference between joy and happiness, right? It's like you can control joy and find joy. Like happiness is like you're, you're, you're hoping that an outcome will bring you happiness. Like winning an Olympic medal will bring you happiness. No, like the journey to get there, like the whole process is the, is the joy. I'm not going to let the fact that we didn't win a medal ruin my happiness. It didn't. Um, yeah. We cried because mm-hmm. we lost, but man, don't tell me I wasn't happy or I wasn't enjoying the whole process or even the loss. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just that there's, so there's that aspect. To, I think players forget when they're going through the individual skills, they really don't think about it and they get upset when they don't get it. Like, what are you getting upset for? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to make a mistake. Let's get back to it. We're wasting time dealing with your emotion of being upset about it. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's go forward. So I think that's, that's something I've, I've tried to instill in my guys. And, mm-hmm. and the one thing I always joke about, it's like, you guys, like you guys get mad when something knows doesn't go your way, but you then don't go crazy when something does go your way. Mm. Like you're not, if they hit a three, they're not, they're not, they're not jumping up. Their teammates are right. Mm-hmm. And they're cheering, but the guy who makes it doesn't run around like, yeah, I just made a three yeah, where yeah. when they miss a three, they get all mad. It's like, you're, so you're just taking the negative part of anything you kind of do. You're not really enjoying the good things you do. So let's, you know, let's find that even keel and, and really find that joy in it. So, I guess that's that's my tidbits on your fifteen questions. There you go. Well done. Do you do you uh, do you know who Brene Brown is? You follow any of her stuff? No, uh, no, I don't. Uh, she's a researcher and kind of like vulnerability and leadership and stuff. She's amazing. And mm-hmm. what she talks about is the number one human emotion. Like she studied the brain, and everything is that people find the hardest to be vulnerable about is is expressing joy. So I just found that interesting. Like they. Wow, that's yeah, really good. Yeah, so it's just like the the thing that makes people the most vulnerable is expressing joy about something because, you know, we can't be happy for ourselves. And you know what I mean? Just there's so many elements mm-hmm, yeah. to it, but it's interesting that you're yeah. talking about that. It was, yeah. um, you'd huh. like some of her stuff, check her out. Yeah, she's got some good stuff there, yeah. Um, before we go into the uh, super important questions of the show, which I know you know it's coming, mm-hmm. um, Corbin has a question for you. So, Corbs, you want to just fire away at Coach here? Yeah, I think uh, that you touched on it a little bit. Um when you're talking about if the 2000 team would have been nearly as close now, if you know during the I guess we call it the social media age versus 2000, where you're obviously just not on your phones, are you finding that with leader teams as well? Like they're just maybe the guys are more connected, but they're not as close or not as like they're not like a group of brothers. I, don't, I if I'm phrasing it correctly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Like it's uh, I I find I find they're they're close because for us we still travel lots. So we still have that experience. I mean, they're in the bus together or, you know, we're in hotels. And so, yeah, they're on their phones a little bit, more, but we're still traveling. So they're together and there's that, that interaction, that direct interaction that can happen, but it's definitely, it's definitely harder. I mean, I think one thing is, is trying to, you know, put, put the phones away and have that kind of attitude a little bit, but then, you know, there's a few guys that'll just be completely grumpy from that. And, and so then they're not going to, they're not going to really buy into it. I know as a, as a pro, we are, our, uh, our team used to find us. So our manager would have, really? and, I, and then that was, yeah. And I wasn't even like, 
I mean, phones weren't as, that was just if people were calling or texting and it wasn't even the social media aspect, but they would, the manager would have his phone underneath the table at the dinner table and he would dial almost everybody on the team's number and see whose phone rang. And if your phone rang, then you got fined. Wow. So it was, so it was like, I, we can't do it here because they don't get paid to come to Laurentian, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so I can't be finding them for that, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's trying to find different ways, right. Of just opening the communication lines and like, I, I really it is difficult, especially for older coaches. As I say, as I'm older, I try and act younger with them, but it's like, you got to kind of put it away and, or, or at times you just address it. It's like, okay, you got your phone up. What are you looking at? Oh, and most of the time they're looking at things they would want to talk about too, right? Like, they're looking at the highlights of NBA or like the latest shoe or, you know, the a new rap song or, you know, something, a new concert, or a new movie. So it's something they kind of want to talk about and share with each other. So it's like finding what they're, what they're looking at on their phones with and getting everybody else's opinion on what they're doing. Let's share this guys. What are you looking at? Oh, sweet. Okay. And it kind of, that, that kind of generates some, some, uh, some team camaraderie and, and really opens them up to, to wanting to talk. Beautiful. Thank you. Good stuff. Okay, man. Thanks for your time so far. This has been great. Thrilled to have you on. Um, mm. You're looking well for your age. You know, you're much, much older than I am. <clears throat> so everyone knows. Uh, but <laughs> what, you know, I mean, if you were, obviously, you're still going for runs and working out. It's pretty obvious. You can tell. What's the greatest bag of chips out there? Oof. That's a, that's a good question, which, yeah, I did know it was coming. So I... I I don't as much now because of, uh, I guess I've been ingrained to not eat MSG as much, but so <laughs> I, I'm very much, I love my favorite chips are ketchup chips. So ketchup chips are by far the favorite. And then recently, I don't know how, how, how long ago, but they started making uh, ketchup Doritos. So then I was like, I tried them once cause it's, how can you go wrong with ketchup? I'm like, all right, ketchup and Doritos. Yes, I. Uh, so then I, told, I went to ketchup Doritos. Those two. I told Big Todd that I would ship him a, an, a couple bags, but I can't find them on the shelves right now. Like they're just they're nowhere to be found. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that we've forgotten about them. I just can't get them down there. But uh, yes, yeah. ketchup Doritos. Okay, well done. Um, who's the greatest player you've played against, or a handful of guys that you've played against that are <sighs> the greatest? Well, obviously Steve's number one. And I, I never well, played against him in practice, but Steve's definitely highest. And then that whole that whole U.S. team, like <laughs> I play, we played against every them, and uh, <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. We played against them. The one year in the FISU games was they were all the most of the guys were still they were still in college, right? So it was like Iverson at Georgetown, Ray Allen, Tim Duncan. They were still in their colleges, and then we played them on the on the national team when they were in the NBA. And it was like Vince Carter. Like I, I always thought. You know, tough, toughest cover for me, for me, myself, mm -hmm. the toughest cover was Allen Iverson. Like covering Nash is obviously hard, harder, but the next one would be, would be Allen Iverson. It was like, I always thought I was, in, yeah, I always thought it was in great shape. I'm not as good as Steve was, but I always thought it was, man, I'm, that's, that's my go-to. I'm in good shape. And I remember covering him in Puerto Rico and like, I, I knew I can't, don't let him get the ball. If he gets the ball, you're in trouble. Like he's scoring on you. He's going to make you look like a fool. So I just, you know, I denied him all over the floor and it was like, like three minutes. Like I was exhausted. Like, I think if you look back at the tape, I think he touched the ball twice and I fouled him every time he touched the ball because he caught it, <laughs> put it on the floor, foul. <laughs> like, 
so he was like, and he, and he, he was sprinting and not tired and I'm sprinting and exhausted and almost falling over. So I think, uh, that Iverson cover was man. Yeah, that, that was tough. I think the other guys, I kind of would be okay. I mean, I just knew what I could do and what I could, what I could uh, manage with them and knew how I could try and stop them at least. Whereas Iverson was like, man, I can't, this guy is tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was a beast. Um, mm-hmm. Who's been the most important person or people in your life? Oh, that's too many, man. So many, right? Like my, my family, obviously like, you know, my current family and my parents, they're so, so supportive sports wise. And I mean, we've touched on a little bit, but I wasn't exactly uh, pegged to be a professional basketball player when I left Laurentian. So to uh, actually, you know, believe in me and, and let me try and follow my dream and be able to accomplish what I could, uh, you know, that would be huge, you know, for my family and my sisters and my brother, my sister actually passed away. She died of uh, breast cancer. Um, she was three years older than me. So she was part of the reason I came to Laurentian. Hmm. I, I'm not a, I'm not a type, uh, I'm actually a, a bit of a homebody or I like having people around. And so for me to come up to Laurentian, it was because my sister was already here and had already been here and, and established some success. So, you know, my, and, and my brother just all, oh, you know, both my sister, Janet and Tim, and Carolyn were just unbelievable. So my family, and then for my career now, I mean, it's my wife and, and kids, right? Like they they, right now they love basketball. They play basketball a ton. My, my wife coaches them. Shelly, uh, she was a great basketball player at Laurentian. Like she was a TSN award winner, like unbelievable shooter. And like, I'm, I'm basically, I joke around, but I'm, I'm not, and it's not a, people who know me, it's not that big of a stretch, but they're better shooters than I am. And so it's not a huge stretch to be that, but, but yeah, so like they, 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 all three of them kill me. And my, you know, Silas, uh, just turned 15 and Savannah just turned 13. So nice. yeah, like, I mean, they're, they, they're, I mean, that's, uh, you know, and then you just go around all the coaches I've had is unbelievable. Right. The support, you don't, nobody, I mean, you've heard this a lot. Nobody gets anywhere by themselves, um, regardless of what they think. Mm-hmm. But I definitely know I, I'm not in this position uh, uh, by by solo Sean Swords. Yeah. So when you were talking about the games of one-on-one where you would lose and try again, it's against your family. You, yeah. yeah. No matter how many times you lose in a row, you got to get that one win before you let the kids go to sleep, hey? Yeah. <laughs> my sisters, like, they, they kill me. I only yeah. beat my sisters. The only time I beat them is when I actually grew and was bigger. That's it. <laughs> you could bully them. When they a bit, were bigger right? than me. I could. Yeah. I could never. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't beat them. <laughs> um, kill me. Who's the greatest player you've coached against? Now that you've been on both sides. Oh yeah. So there was a string. I don't. I. I didn't really look last year, but there was a string of times where uh, there was a player that I coached in the NBA final for a bunch of years in a row. Um, so the junior national team one year with actually it was a great staff. It was uh, Greg Francis was the uh, was the head coach and myself and Peter Gracchi were assistant. Ooh, all star squad against uh, yeah. We coached against uh, yeah we coached against Alan Tunis, uh, Derek starts yeah. So those, those, and, and Sabonis actually Dante Sabonis was on the Lithuanian team at that time too. So I mean those two guys. Um, the Amer- I don't think we ever played the American team, but the American team had, uh, had Austin rivers, uh, on it too, but wow. Sabonis mm-hmm. has become a nice little pro actually. Hey, yeah, he's yeah. killing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's coming into his own yeah. no surprise. I mean, he's, yeah. he's been really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that said, this yeah. is a good little segue. Um, who in your mind is the greatest player of all time? 
Oh, it's easy. It's becoming, I know it's becoming a little it's tougher, but I'm Jordan. No, yeah. I'm Jordan. Yeah, I'm Jordan. I just, just cause I grew up in their era. I'm actually, when I was young, I was actually Dominique Wilkins, right? Cause I love Dominique. I loved his athleticism and his skill. And like, I just loved the way he played. Yeah. And I always tried to do that stuff, which I couldn't, but yeah, but watching it, it was like, Jordan was like, man, Jordan is the man. Like Jordan is Jordan is killing you. I don't care what you say he can't do. You give me a one thing, he'll do it. You tell me he can't do that and then needs to win a championship, he's going to do that. No matter what it is, he'll be able to do it to win you that championship. So I just think Jordan, but LeBron's making a case. I don't know how, if he keeps winning, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to, to not have him uh, be kind of up there and not really sound like the old guy, old guy who thinks it's Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when LeBron's got like 10 titles, he's like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> we'll just change the questions for the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who had a better percentage to win? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, but man, wow. you watch them today. It's like it's hard to to do eras, right? Because you just see what these yeah. guys are doing. It's crazy. Their skill sets are off the charts. Like, there's a good man, article. I see. Yeah, Garnett had an article last week, and it was basically right. He he said like, oh, I don't think my generation can play. But his point was like, you know, you can't put your hands on anyone. And he's like, you watch these mm-hmm. guys play. They run whatever however feet back and forth and just shoot threes and never stop moving he's like who wants to yeah. do that like my generation yeah. can do that like we could be physical and we could hit and like we couldn't keep up with these guys so it's mm-hmm. that's totally true like the game has changed so much like yeah, yeah i watched the nets last night they they went it was yeah. like durant didn't even play it was something like a 22 to 1 run and it was just like boom boom and i was like what this is yeah. crazy and not a lot of time went off the clock it was nuts no yeah, it was yeah. nuts. Garnett, it's, it was great to read from Garnett because he's actually a guy that could because he had good stamina. He could run. Like, yeah. he, he could do it. But he, even him realizing, you know yeah. what, this is it's a completely different level. Yeah, for sure. Um, catch up on macaroni? Hey, I, so I used to a lot in, in university. So my, my theory was always first bowl it would be no ketchup and then when you kind of get tired of the flavor a bit then you go a little ketchup just to just to get through it hmm <laughs> Corbs, what do you think? so i never Corbs. i never i never started with ketchup on it it would always be i would get a little bit bored of, of maybe the flavor and be like all right i gotta change it up a little bit and put a little ketchup on it this is a safe space did someone threaten you this sounds like you, you're trying to keep everyone. Was there like someone send you a text before this show to say you better mention ketchup or no? Okay. No, that's okay. why like you, you've asked, you've asked that question to everyone. And I, I, I thought back on it and I was like, man, I always used to put it on, but not till after like the first bowl or like halfway through or be like, all right, I'll throw some ketchup on and change up the flavor. Cause I was tired of the flavor. Cause or, the whole box of Katie is tough to muscle down. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I honestly thought they changed the size of the bottle or the boxes. Cause I look at the boxes now and it's like, it's barely a bowl. I, for some reason in school, I remember it being like this huge box. I was like, man, I need, I need ketchup on there. I can't eat nothing. What are you listening to music wise? What keeps you going? Oof. Uh, so with uh, a mix, right? So we we all we listen to late latest stuff a lot of yeah. times, um, but the girls are starting to see see my playlist that I've had from old, and so we have to look up clean versions of almost everything I have. <laughs> but, so they still listen to like Eminem and uh, Jay Z. Uh, those are probably the two we listen to the most, 
right? Yes. It's, it's just kind of all those old older tunes that like you got to bleep out almost every third word or fourth word, but they get they get the rhythm of it, and <laughs> so uh, that's probably what we play. But yeah, I think just like that, probably two thousand era, right? Like yeah. those kind of tunes from there. But and then the recent stuff that just comes on, then we'll play it, and we're uh, we're definitely more of a hip hop family i would say hip-hop pop maybe is what uh is what we listen to most okay so if it's just you like what do you got a couple other favorite uh mcs like you got a top five or uh from their song from just their like pop stuff oh for me i'm eminem who else you got yeah i'm m yeah eminem jay-z um some kanye west like from his first first album kind of but the, I would say those three are like I just put on replay, like just listen to those over and over again. I know Kanye is so sad what happened to him. He was like, yeah. his first couple albums were unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love. And it. then we we started to play play uh, we we play some DMX too. Ooh, I think yes. the girls just love the hype and the anger in it, and yeah. it's like it gets us everybody need to pumped look up. For the clean and... version of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, we do. Uh, did you see that him and it was like over the Christmas holidays like him and Snoop did like a live back and forth on Twitch it's called did you see it no I didn't see oh, it DMX does not look good yeah, it does not look good Snoop still looks like Snoop but yeah, DMX still, was, he looks the same like, yeah yeah you know like when you go to a concert and they have to play their music in the background just because their voice is like not good yeah, yeah that's yeah. what they had to do for DMX oh man yeah well his voice always kind of sounded like it that raspy, though, so right? hasn't dropped, it yeah. hasn't dropped off that much but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome great oh, stuff man. I, yeah uh last sure, questions uh, before we let you go if you could do it all again you would what We, uh, can we do an hour? Is there an hour left? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is the question where it's like you think back. It's like, what would you change? Like, uh, I don't know. Is there stuff I can change right now? I'm kind of content. Like, I'm I'm enjoying life the way it is right now. So, I think there's there's a bunch of different uh, directions I could go on that. I think I would if I'm the direction I went right now. I work on my skills more. Like, I'd work on my skills as much as I did right now. Hmm. right like I, I i'm a better ball handler now i'm a better shooter now my my touch around the hoop is way better now than it was like back then so i think i would have spent more time on that um and i mean it's gonna sound cheesy but i would i would i would have cared about school more like i really was not a i was not an academic and i could have been it wasn't that i didn't want to be it's i was lazy mm-hmm. right i just uh so i think those are those are those are two things that I think would help actually change, you know, the scope of, of make maybe make this even better life that I'm uh, I'm already leading. Good reflection, man. Any last comments or mm-hmm. thoughts before we let you go? <clears throat> no, I just, man, I've, I I I know you probably weren't sure how many of these you were gonna do when you started it, but applaud you. Like it's been amazing. It's been a great run. Like to, to spend time and do this and and go through it all. Like both of you have done an amazing job of this. Like. I got a question for you. Is like who who are you, who are you trying to be in these? Do you have somebody you're oh. trying to copy or emulate or in these episodes? Yeah, as the host, no, who are you no. envisioning yourself being as the host? Are you just being yourself, or are you have you thought of <laughs> somebody mean, and you're trying? I feel like I'm just finally using my loudmouth talent for something good, you know, as a, other than just pissing people off and chirping. So 
No, you know what? I just, I got into podcasts a lot and like, I enjoy them. I listen to a lot of ones on leadership, some on coaching, like obviously Chris Oliver does a great one. Um, and then, you know, I really enjoy actually the knuckleheads one. That's funny. You mentioned those guys, yeah, yeah. Miles. they've got one. It's really yeah. good. And, and so you just hear how these guys and I, and I just thought, you know, Corbin and I talked about this for a long time and we just thought there's so many great stories out there. Um, and it allows people an opportunity to a go down memory lane and have other people, you know, hear things like I was chatting with Connor Morgan, um, who played played at UBC yeah. and is doing really well in Europe right now. And mm-hmm. you know, we want to get him on, but he was just mentioning that he's learning stuff himself, right? So it's just been a cool little adventure. So I wouldn't say I'm like yeah. trying to be anyone specifically, but you just hear how people interact with people via online we've done a couple in person so this is why it's fun with zoom like it's i feel like i'm actually talking to you now right whereas it's you know trying to get the aura of a todd mccullough story and all you see are bars is like it's hard it's funny (laughs) yeah like you got to see the pinball machines and the slurpee machine in the background and then his big grin on his face so yeah no Mm -hmm. thanks for the compliment but it's just uh it's been a fun time and we just want to keep it rolling and and you know again like it hasn't it's not going to ever be about really the names right it's just people's stories and and like yeah. look at your life for example and how it's come full circle coaching back you're mm-hmm. super happy where you are and who knows if that's where you would have wanted to end up or how it would have gone and and through the game of basketball that's allowed you to do that so mm-hmm. i think it's cool so yeah. um, corbs corbs yeah. just stressed out trying to get through school become a teacher and <laughs> have me ride him every day about recording a podcast yeah, yeah. so <laughs> just like grade 12 just like grade 12 i guess he played for me so yeah yeah nice yeah. A, no, it's definitely infectious like i know this you haven't done a lot of in-person ones but like it, you can hear your voice through the podcast that you're enjoying it and that it's fun and that it's like mm-hmm. like that is genuine both of you it's like it's amazing like i was i was thinking back and there was one episode i can't remember which one it was like the way you're laughing and asking questions and like like uh the, the joy you were you were showing was like reminding me of Chris Farley. You remember the Chris Farley yeah, of show? Of course. When he was the host, like you were like, of course. like man, <laughs> you're literally like you're loving it. Like it's amazing. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it just spreads that that smile. Like it just In makes you smile when you hear your voice. River. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw in the clip in right now. You're gonna end up eating a steady diet of government cheese. And living in a van down by the river. <laughs> but have yeah. you seen have you seen his show like where he's the the host? Absolutely. Hosting, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. The Beatles, like yeah, so yeah. He good. Does, yeah. Classic. Like it's it, it's it's amazing because I think that's like I've never hosted anything in that sense and like I would imagine like just being so into it and loving doing it, it just mm-hmm. makes it so easy. Like not easy, yeah. but makes it fun. Like you're you're telling a story and you're enjoying it as much. You're I know your listeners are loving it, so it's oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's been fun, man. It I'm I'm the extrovert, so Corbs is always like, "How the heck do you do this?" And I'm just like, I just love people and chatting with people, right? And he's yeah, yeah, yeah. to sit on the other side and do the funny things and the clips. And so it's been a yep. it's been a good little duo. So we 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 truly appreciate your time. It's so good to see your face, man. You're mm-hmm. looking well, mm-hmm. and um, you Thanks. know. Make sure you get out for a tournament at UBC or something so we can uh, take you out for Hoops Journey beer and, and catch up even more. And uh, we wish you nothing but continued success sure. with your family and and uh, coaching and all that stuff. And um, and uh, just a great a great story that you had, and we're really thankful that you were willing to sit down with us and, and share it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys.
Appreciate no worries. it. Shout out to our sponsors, uh, Good Lad Clothing, Parkside Brewery. Awesome episode with the man himself. I know a lot of guys out here will want to hear it. Um, we wish you nothing but success, and we'll see you on the next episode. 